Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. I'm glad you're here because we're going to have a lesson together. We're going to take our time. We're not going to bounce around. I have in front of me the filing by the Department of Injustice against President Trump. Some of the legal analysts are saying that the Department of Justice is preparing an obstruction case against the president and or his staff. We heard the same thing and the same legal analysts, among others, say that about the Mueller report. And of course, Hillary Clinton wasn't charged with anything. We'll get to that later. But I want to go through this with you. Because I doubt many of you have had the time to go through it. You do work for a living or have other things to do. But essentially what the media are, the mouthpieces for the government. So they read this stuff and then they regurgitate what's in it. So let's do at least some of this, okay? I can't read the whole thing. But we'll read part of it. The relevant parts. The FBI's review of the 15 boxes that were originally turned over highlighted the national security implications of their improper storage. Now, between May 16 and May 18, 2022, after finally obtaining access to the 15 boxes, FBI agents conducted a preliminary review of the documents and identified documents with classification markings in 14 of the 15 boxes. A preliminary review revealed the following, 184 unique documents bearing classification markings, as you know, 67 marked as confidential, 92 documents marked as secret, 25 as so forth and so on. After obtaining evidence indicating that additional classified records remained at the premises, 
DOJ initially sought the return through the issuance of a grand jury subpoena. Through its investigation, the FBI developed evidence indicating that even after the 15 boxes were provided to the, provided the archives, dozens of additional boxes remained at the premises. They're also likely to contain classified information. Accordingly, DOJ obtained a grand jury subpoena for which the former president's counsel accepted service on May 11, 2022. So that's three months before the raid on the president's home. The subpoena was directed to the custodian of records for the office of Donald Trump, and it requested any and all documents or writings in the custody or control of Donald Trump and or the office of Donald Trump bearing classification markings, a list of classification markings. Make a mental note there. What did they ask for? Any and all documents or writings in the custody or control of Donald Trump or the office of Donald J. Trump bearing classification markings. DOJ also sent the former president's counsel a letter that suggested they can comply by, quote, providing any responsive documents to the FBI at the place of their location and providing from the custodian a sworn certificate that the documents represent all responsive records. The letter further stated that if no responsive documents existed, the custodian should provide a sworn certification of that effect. So at least here, we're reading this together. They didn't ask for all documents. They asked for any classified documents. Right, Mr. Producer? The subpoena's return date was May 24. Council sought an extension for complying. After denying the request, the government offered council an extension for complying with the subpoena until June 7. Council for the former president contacted DOJ on the evening of June 2nd, requests that FBI agents meet him the following day to pick up responsive documents. On June 3, three FBI agents and a DOJ attorney arrived at the premises to accept receipt of the materials. In addition to counsel for the former president, another individual was also present as the custodian of records for the former president's post-presidential office. When producing the documents, neither counsel nor the custodian asserted that the former president had declassified the documents or asserted any claim of executive privilege, right? This is ridiculous, but this just shows you how a little sleazy this is. The president's aides can't say there's been an assertion of executive privilege. Only the former president can. That's number one. And number two, uh, they never asserted the former president declassified the documents. Were they asked? And state counsel handed them in a manner that suggested counsel believed that the documents were classified. The production included a single red weld envelope, double wrapped in tape, containing the documents. The individual present as the custodian of records produced and provided a signed certification. Now, look, even if they're declassified, it doesn't mean you're going to just throw them out at a ticker tape or something like that. So that proves nothing. I'm just explaining this, that the media are not showing any skepticism whatsoever. Now, that certification letter said, based upon the information that has been provided to me, I'm authorized to certify on behalf of Donald Trump the following. A, a diligent search was conducted of the boxes that were moved from the White House to Florida. B, the search was conducted after receipt of the subpoena in order to locate any and all documents that are responsive to the subpoena. C, any and all responsive documents accompanying this certification. Indeed, no copy 
Writing notation or reproduction of any kind was retained as to any responsive document. And that was sworn. First sentence again, based upon the information that has been provided to me. Now, after producing the red weld, counsel for the former president represented that all the records that had come from the White House were stored in one location, a storage room at the premises. And the boxes of records in the storage room <clears throat> were the remaining repository of records from the White House. Just hold on one second. Well, that's funny. That's not in the certification, is it, Mr. Producer? So that is not in the certification. So that's them saying that's what they were told. Council further represented there were no other records stored in any private office space or other location at the premises. All available boxes were searched. As the former president's filing indicates, the FBI agents and DOJ attorney were permitted to visit the storage room. Critically, however, the former president's counsel explicitly prohibited government personnel from opening or looking inside any of the boxes that remained in the storage room, giving no opportunity for the government to confirm that no documents with classification markings remained. Well, why didn't they? Why didn't the FBI do that anyway? Once in a secure government setting, the FBI conducted a preliminary review of the documents contained in the red weld envelope. That preliminary document review revealed the following, and then... You go into 38 unique documents bearing classification markings, including five marked as confidential, and so forth. After further investigation indicated that the response to the subpoena was incomplete, that obstructive conduct occurred in connection with the response to the subpoena. So this is what they're calling obstruction. This is what they're calling obstruction. And that, uh, let's see, and that classified information remained at the premises. DOJ obtained a court-authorized search warrant. <clears throat> Through further investigation, the FBI uncovered multiple sources of evidence indicating that the response to the May 11 grand jury subpoena was incomplete and that the classified documents remained at the premises, notwithstanding the sworn certification made to the government on June 3. On June 3, that, class, that certification and the, and, the, and the person certifying said, based upon the information that had been provided to me. Doesn't sound like the person who signed the certification obstructed anything. A lot of times you'll have a person swear that they actually did the search, or a person swore that it is known to me, something like that. That's not what they swore. They specifically said, based upon the information that has been provided to me, I'm authorized to certify. So you can have nothing here but a screw-up, or other things. In other words, there's no reason to conclude and jump to the conclusion that some criminal obstructive act took place, because it doesn't even make sense. Because the FBI has other powers to obtain documents. So it doesn't make sense that you would intentionally lie on a certification on behalf of somebody else. It doesn't even make any sense. Let's go on. 
Through further investigation, the FBI uncovered multiple sources of evidence indicating that the response to May 11 grand jury subpoena was incomplete and that classified documents remained at the premises, notwithstanding the sworn certification made to the government on June 3. In particular, the government developed evidence that a search limited to the storage room would not have uncovered all the classified documents at the premises. Now, let's stop there for a minute. There could be classified documents in the storage room. The former president has a right to have access to them. For all I know, maybe he's writing a book, maybe whatever it is, doesn't matter. Maybe he's reminiscing and wants to look at something, classified or otherwise. So when they say the documents weren't limited to the storage room, and the later they say we found some in his desk, doesn't that seem to make the point? If he were trying to hide documents, would he put them in his desk? In particular, okay, we, the government also developed evidence that government records were likely concealed or removed from the storage room and that efforts were likely taken to obstruct the government's investigation. I don't even understand that. That there were probable cause, there were efforts to obstruct, which prohibits obstructing an investor. This included evidence indicating the boxes formerly in the storage room were not returned prior to counsel's review. You know, folks, what's amazing about this to me as we get into the weeds, and this is why I'm doing this with you. Have you ever tried to get your IRS records from 10 years ago, Mr. Producer? Is it a simple task? I ask you folks this question, too. Why is it assumed that there's a criminal (coughs) taking place? Why is it assumed? And why pull the criminal trigger? Because we found out there was more stuff there. Then go get it. Go get it. Why is it assumed that's obstruction? I mean, in Hillary Clinton's case, we have literal literal obstruction of thousands of emails. Let's continue. Pursuant to the search warrant, the government was permitted to search the 45 office, the former president's office at the premises, all storage rooms and all other rooms or areas within the premises, used or available to be used by the former president and his staff in which boxes or documents could be stored, including all structures or buildings on the estate, but not areas currently being occupied and so forth. Well, that's because the master said you couldn't. The government was authorized by the warrant to seize any physical documents with classification markings along with any other containers and boxes and so forth. We talked about that. Pursuant to the above-described search protocols, the government seized 33 items of evidence, mostly boxes, falling within the scope of attachment B to the search warrant. This is the general search warrant, anything around it, because they contain documents with classified markings or what otherwise appear to be government records. Three classified documents that were not located in boxes, but rather were located in the desks in the 45 office. Three documents were also seized. Per the search warrant protocols discussed above, the seized documents included documents that were collectively stored or found together 
with documents with classification markings. Okay, but I read to you what it was that they were seeking. It was classified information. They found three documents in the former president's desk in his office. That's obstruction? Now, the fact that they found the three documents in his desk, doesn't that demonstrate it's not obstruction? All right, I got more. I'll be right back. Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Three classified documents. It's interesting they don't say what kind of classification. That suggests the lowest, but nonetheless. That were not located in boxes, but rather were located in the former president's desk in his office. Now, I don't know about you, Mr. Producer, but that's the first place I would hide documents if I didn't want the FBI to get them, wouldn't you? But I want you to listen to this footnote so you get the sense of how aggressive and out of control this government is. Plaintiff repeatedly claims that his passports were outside the scope of the warrant and improperly seized, and the government in returning them has admitted as much. These claims are incorrect. Consistent with attachment B to the search warrant, that's the general warrant part that's unconstitutional in my view, the government seized the contents of a desk drawer that contained classified documents and governmental records commingled with other documents. The other documents included two official passports, one of which expired, one personal passport which was expired. The location of the passports is relevant evidence in an investigation of unauthorized retention and mishandling of national defense information. Nonetheless, the government decided to return those passports in its discretion. You believe that? They're even defending the taking of the passports because of the national security concerns about the former president. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, the meaning and history of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17, 
I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. So now we've moved from the Espionage Act. Remember that debate a month ago? To the Presidential Records Act. Remember that debate? To now obstruction. See how this works, Mr. Producer? On a former president. Now, they're not arguing that the former president took classified documents or his staff and gave them to the enemy or sold them to anybody or revealed the secrets. This is about the location of the documents. The location of the documents. That's all it's about. Three classified documents. We know nothing about them. But the government's going to want to make them the Rosetta Stones, if you know what I mean. The most important information in the history of information. And they seized these three classified documents from President Trump's desk of all places. Pursuant to the above search protocols, the government sees 33 items of evidence, mostly boxes. The investigative team has reviewed all the materials in the containers that the privilege review team did not segregate as potentially attorney-client privilege. Oh, by the way, this is an entirely political document. The issue in front of the federal judge is whether or not to appoint a special master to go over the documents. So what the government has done here is put on its opening argument, continued to keep secret its affidavit so you and I could see what it was originally they were searching for, and leaked to the media. The investigative team has reviewed all the materials in the containers that the privilege team did not segregate, as potentially attorney-client privilege of the seized, let's see here, evidence, 13 boxes or containers contain documents with classified markings, and all over 100 unique documents with classification markings. That is more than twice the amount produced on January 3 in response to the grand jury subpoena were seized. Certain of the documents had colored cover sheets indicating their classification, and that's when you see the picture. So they spread them on the floor and took a picture because they knew this would be a political filing. The different color coding that's used on the different types of classifications. Now, if you ask me, that would violate the Espionage Act. Why? I seriously doubt every single government overseas knows how we color code our classifications. But even apart from that, it's the mishandling of documents. You file these in open court. You file the color-coded 
folder covers publicly in order to distribute that information. Notwithstanding counsel's representation on January 3 that materials from the White House were only located in the storage room, classified documents were found in both the storage room and the former president's office. So the three documents they're saying demonstrates misleading, demonstrates that they lied, and intentionally so. You see how preposterous this is? This is a former president of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Moreover, the search cast serious doubt on the claim in the certification and now in the motion that there had been a diligent search for records responsive to the grand jury subpoena. In the storage room alone, FBI agents found 76 documents bearing classification markings. All of the classified documents seized in the August 8th search have been segregated from the rest of the seized documents, are being separately maintained and stored in accordance with appropriate procedures for handling and storing information. They were in the storage room. where the affidavit said all the materials were. So the FBI knew to go to the storage room with their search warrant. They searched the president's former office. They found three documents which you had in a desk drawer. That's it. Did you know this? Prior to me reading this to you, did you know this? I did not. I did not know that. I thought they were all over Mar-a-Lago by the way they were speaking. The privilege review team has completed its review of the materials in its custody and control and were identified as potentially privileged. The privilege review team identified only a limited subset of potentially attorney-client privileged documents. doesn't matter if you had a limited subset. One's enough. Have any of you ever had lawyers? And you have a lot of communications and somebody... FBI or somebody can come in and say, look, we only looked at a few. We only grabbed a few. We didn't grab them all. Now, this is very interesting to me. I'll tell you why. On the one hand, Donald Trump and his his folks obviously committed obstruction because there were three documents in his desk drawer that were classified. And they said everything was in the storage room, right? Meanwhile, the government takes attorney-client privilege and nobody's going to be held to account for that, are they, Mr. Producer? So they take attorney-client privilege documents and try and dive. Well, there's only a few. There's only a limited subset, quote-unquote. So if Donald Trump says, there's only a limited subset of classified information in my desk, you think the FBI is going to have a different view? Plaintiff lacks standing to seek judicial oversight, they say and related relief in relation to any presidential records seized from the premises. Now, that's the key. They say any presidential records. But that's the issue, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? President Trump is asserting that many of these materials are his private materials. Why do we assume that all of this is government documents? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But why is it the... The government, the FBI, the prosecutors who get to make that decision. We already know they took attorney-client privilege documents. They were at his house for nine hours. How is it that they took attorney-client privilege documents? Because the warrant was too broad. But they went through the documents anyway. 
and they still took him. So they're okay. They can take attorney-client privilege documents, but if they find three classified documents in Trump's drawer, we don't know anything about them, that's evidence of obstruction. Interesting. Plaintiff has no property interest in any presidential records. The issue isn't whether he has interest in presidential records. The issue is whether certain of the records are presidential records, period. He's not entitled to the return of any property. Well, of course he is. Anything that's not presidential material. Moreover, don't get caught in their trap. Donald Trump has the right to have access to all of these materials. What they're saying is he can't access them in the way he did at Mar-a-Lago. How's that obstruction? Again, this whole thing, they've brought it to a fever pitch. Even if the former president had standing, they say, the appointment of a special master would be unnecessary and would interfere with the legitimate government interests. You know what the legitimate government interests are? They're in the middle of an investigation. They can't be slowed down by a special master. Why not? Why not? Now, what about executive privilege claims? They say a former president cannot successfully assert executive privilege against the executive branch in its performance of executive functions. Now, that is probably correct. But we don't have a defining 100% decision on that, certainly not from the U.S. Supreme Court. So the Justice Department doesn't get to decide that issue. They say the former president cites no case, and the government is aware of none in which executive privilege has been successfully invoked to prohibit the sharing of documents within the executive branch. And what's interesting about that is this statute that they keep talking about, the Presidential Records Act, specifically talks about executive privilege by the sitting president. What if he doesn't act? that the former president has a right to go to court, and there's a whole thing about it. So if they're right, why is there anything at all written about it in the Presidential Records Act? See, they go on. I'm reading this for the first time, too. Even if a former president could, in some circumstances, assert executive privilege, no such assertion would be valid here. So they're making conclusions of law, Appointment of a special master review materials for claims of executive privilege would be inconsistent with principles of equity. That is preposterous. Let me go on. The court should not appoint a special merit master, but if it does, the below conditions should apply. And then they say, you know, we need to confer and agree. And it goes on on what they expect the court to do under the circumstances. That's pretty much it. Now you know more than anybody else, including the people reporting on this. What do you make of this? The amount of manpower and law enforcement resources being used against this president is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Let me, let me thin this down for you. They found three classified documents in President Trump's desk. So what? 
Everything else, as best as we can tell, was in fact in the storage room. There's nothing in there that says they found any anywhere else. They went back in the storage room and they found more classified information in the boxes. That's what they're hanging their hat on. See, see, the lawyer filed a certificate, a certification, stating that he or she was told that everything had been searched and this is all they have. So that demonstrates obstruction. No, it demonstrates a mistake. There's nothing in here early on, early on in this document. It says the concern about possible destruction. Or, there is nothing in here about destruction, Mr. Bedus. Did you hear anything? Not a word. Nothing. But the reason I read you that footnote on the passports was to demonstrate to you how far the government is overreaching here. We gave him them back, but of course we did have a right to get them because, you know, he might leave the country. Anytime we have a national security interest like this, that's what they're trying to say. We have to be careful. What I read to you demonstrates an FBI, a U.S. attorney, an attorney general completely out of control. Completely out of control. It's really quite appalling. There's nothing in here that's shocking that should shock anybody. And I want to remind you, millions and millions of papers that were produced, information that were produced by this administration are in the hands of the archives. So when they say, look at all these boxes, look at all these documents, it's nothing. Minimal. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. We literally have, let me see here from The Guardian. This is nine years ago. We literally have in this country tens of millions of documents that are classified. Trillions of new pages of text, trillions, are classified every year. More than five million people have security clearances, including low-level contractors. Are you aware of this? 
So obviously some secrecy is necessary, maybe even a lot. But just how much? Seriously. And this is why they leaked early on. Nuclear code information. You notice not even this outrageous filing to the court, this publicity stunt by the Department of Justice, including a photograph of the cover sheets on classified information that's result in the indictment of everybody involved in that. Notice no such language in here. Instead, they talk about his passports. So to sum up, in fact, everything was stored in the storage room except for three so-called classified documents in a drawer in President Trump's desk. That's the government saying that. That's the government saying that, not Mark. I read it to you. That's it. That's what they're talking about, documents being removed from the storage area. Three. And we don't even know if they were removed from the storage area before or after, but it doesn't matter. Three. No whisper that anything with the documents that was done was illegal in a substantive way. Nothing. Nothing. They didn't tell us all these classified documents were in the storage room where they said all the documents were. In fact, somebody certified that they weren't, that the way they turned everything over to us. But if you had a mindset and specific intent, ladies and gentlemen, to cover something up, you would destroy them, you'd do something. But what is it that they would want to cover up the Trump team? The existence of the documents doesn't even make any sense. Obstruct what? What exactly? I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. I hope you heard the first hour. Now we bridge into the second hour. July 5, 2016. Statement by former FBI Director James Comey on the investigation of Secretary Hillary Clinton's use of a personal email system. So here we have as best as we can discern from this filing by the government today, which is an outrageous political document, one-sided narrative, of course. The intent is to turn this into the Rosenberg's case. Fact is, the search warrant resulted in the finding of three classified documents in the former president, his, his office desk. Everything else was as represented, that is, in the storage room. Then the government said it found several dozen additional classified documents in the boxes in the storage room. 
despite a representation from a lawyer that all such documents uh, had been turned over in response to a subpoena. Uh, and he, he said, a uh, representative from a lawyer, that, that, he, uh, that he was informed. Okay, and so this demonstrates specific intent, <coughs> excuse me, to obstruct the government? It does? I mean, where are we going with this? There's no information about destroying records in the filing. Nothing. So this is an odd way to obstruct justice. It's an odd way to destroy things. But let me read this to you. This is Comey. Good morning. I'm here to give you an update on the FBI's investigation of Secretary Hillary Clinton's use of personal email system during her time as Secretary of State. This, this will be, uh, after a tremendous amount of work over the last year, the FBI is completing its investigation and referring the case to the Department of Justice for a prosecution decision. What I would like to do today is tell you three things. What we did, what we found, and what we are recommending to the Department of Justice. This will be an unusual statement in at least a couple of ways. First, I'm going to include more detail about our process than I ordinarily would, because I think the American people deserve those details in a case of intense public interest. Second, I have not coordinated or reviewed this statement in any way with the Department of Justice or any other part of the government. They do not know what I'm about to say. I want to start by thanking the FBI employees who did remarkable work in this case. Once you have a better sense of how much we've done, you'll understand why I'm grateful and proud of their efforts. So first, what we have done. And you'll notice in all that, what they have not done is executed a search warrant or even sought one to raid Hillary Clinton's home. The investigation began as a referral from the Intelligence Community Inspector General in connection with Secretary Clinton's use of a personal email server during his, her time as Secretary of State. The referral focused on whether classified information was transmitted on the personal system. And that's interesting because it already violates the, the law, having a private system, but let's go on. Our investigation looked at whether there is evidence classified information was improperly stored or transmitted on that personal system in violation of federal statute, making it a felony to mishandle classified information either intentionally or in grossly negligent way, or a second statute making it a misdemeanor to knowingly remove classified information from appropriate systems or storage facilities. Consistent with our counterintelligence responsibilities, we have also investigated to determine whether there is evidence of computer intrusion in connection with the personal email server by any foreign power or any hostile actors. I have so far used the singular term email server in describing the referral that began our investigation. It turns out to have been more complicated than that. Hillary Clinton used several different servers and administrators of those servers during her four years as Secretary of State, and used numerous mobile devices to view and send email on that personal domain. As new servers and equipment were employed, older servers were taken out of service, stored, and decommissioned in various ways. Piecing all, all that back together, 
to gain as full an understanding as possible of the ways in which personal email was used for government work. It has been a painstaking undertaking requiring thousands of hours of effort. Now, why did she do this? Why did she do this? She told us why early on. She didn't want to be harassed by freedom of information, filings, demands for documents from Congress, or anything else. For example, when one of Secretary Clinton's original personal service was decommissioned in 2013, the email software was removed. Doing that didn't remove the email content, but it was like removing the frame from a huge finished jigsaw puzzle and dumping the pieces on the floor. The effect was that millions of email fragments end up unsorted in the server's unused or stack space. We searched through all of it to see what was there and what parts of the puzzle could be put back together. FBI investigators have also read all the approximately 30,000 emails provided by Secretary Clinton to the State Department in December 2014, where an email was assessed as possibly containing classified information. The FBI referred the email to any U.S. government agency that was likely the owner of the information in the email, so that agency could make a determination as to whether the email contained classified information at the time it was sent or received or whether there was reason to classify the email now, even if its content was not classified at the time. From the group of 30,000 emails returned to the State Department, 110 emails in 52 email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. Eight of those chains contain information that was top secret at the time they were sent. 36 chains contain secret information, and eight contained confidential information. Separate from those, about 2,000 additional emails were upclassified to make them confidential. The information in those had not been classified at the time the emails were sent. The FBI also discovered several thousand work-related emails that were not in the group of 30,000 that were returned to the Secretary of State in 2014. We found those additional emails in a variety of ways. So I guess she could have been accused of obstructing by not turning over several thousand emails. You see the point here? How what they're doing to Trump is so grotesque. Some have been deleted over the years, and we found traces of them on devices that supported or were connected to the private email domain. Others were found by reviewing the archived government email accounts of people who have been government employees at the same time as Secretary Clinton including high-ranking officials of other agencies, people with whom a Secretary of State might naturally correspond. This helped us recover work-related emails that were not among the 30,000 produced to state. Still others were recovered from the laborious review of the millions of email fragments dumped into the stack space of the server at decommissioned in 2013. With respect to the thousands of emails we found that were not among those produced to state, Agencies have concluded that three of those were classified at the time they were sent or received, one at the secret level, two at the confidential level. I should add that we found no evidence that any of the additional work-related emails were intentionally deleted in an effort to conceal them. Our assessment is that, like many email users, 
Secretary Clinton periodically deleted emails or emails were purged from the system when devices were changed. Now, that's not true with respect to Congress. They destroyed emails, and intentionally so. Let's see. Uh, The lawyers doing the sorting for Secretary Clinton in 2014 did not individually read the content of all her emails, as we did for those available to us. Instead, they relied on header information and used search terms to try and find all work-related emails among the reportedly more than 60,000 total emails remaining on the Secretary's personal system in 2014. It's highly likely their search terms missed some work-related emails that we later found. It's also likely that there are other work-related emails they did not produce to state and we did not find elsewhere and that are now gone because they deleted all emails they did not return to state. They deleted all emails they did not return to the State Department and the lawyers cleaned their devices in such a way as to preclude complete forensic recovery. But that's not obstruction. We've conducted interviews and done technical examination to attempt to understand how that sorting was done by our attorneys, although we do not have complete visibility because we are not able to fully reconstruct the electronic record of that sort. So here we have an attorney that signed a certification saying, look, best of my knowledge, at least it was told to me, we've turned everything over to you. So they go back, they look in the storage room, and they find more. And they look in Trump's desk, and they find three. So where's the next sentence? What do you mean, Mark? Where's the next sentence? That they were destroyed. That the lawyer decided, hey, what the hell? They're not responsive, and we destroyed them. And we can't get them back. Now, you know everybody's hair would be on fire. They'd be running all over the place. But that's effectively the Hillary Clinton situation, not the Donald Trump situation, as far as we know. And of course, in addition to our technical work, we interviewed the people and so forth. Last, we've done extensive work to understand what indicates there might be of compromise by hostile actors in connection with the personal opera. And he goes on. And in the end, he says, she violated the Espionage Act. She violated the Espionage Act because of her gross negligence. And that he couldn't really demonstrate there was a specific intent to violate the Espionage Act. And as the Department of Justice, check that, as the FBI looked at the history of prosecutions under the Espionage Act, it would be extremely difficult to successfully prosecute Hillary Clinton and to demonstrate that she had specific intent because even though the statute talks about gross negligence, it would be very, very difficult to prove. Now that's what happened with Hillary Clinton. Wouldn't that same FBI say, whoa, 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 you found three documents in the president's desk. And there were additional classified documents in the storage room where they said everything was stored. So on the one hand, they're saying, look at that, everything wasn't stored there. We found three documents in the president's desk. 
which tells you that there's no criminal intent. They're in his desk, for God's sakes. Okay, that's number one. And number two, there's no criminal intent to hide anything because everything else is in the boxes in the storage room. This is a disgrace on so many levels. And to see these clowns on TV, some are lawyers, some are hosts, some worked for Bush and Cheney, to go on and on, trying to suggest that this is very serious here, what we see here, all the misrepresentations that took place, and this, that, and the other. This is a man who's been targeted. It's that simple. 37 pages they filed. I read every one of them, and I read the most relevant to you. Did that cause you to cringe and say, whoa, this guy Trump really is kind of a screw-up? No, it didn't cause you to cringe. What caused you to cringe, if you did, were the actions of the government. And don't forget, they're going to circle back to January 6th. You know, they're not done with that. And then there's a leak out that if they charge Trump, it won't be before the election. So they character assassinate the man and they smear the man. And if that leak is accurate, and they want to drag him through many, many more months, interfering with the midterm election and interfering with the presidential election, because they do not want you to vote for Trump. They want to make it like he can't win by the time they're done with him. So Hillary Clinton lives another day to unleash one of the greatest scandals in American history, Russia collusion. Her DNA and fingerprints are all over it. It's provable. And she never has to answer for it. Every one of the senior FBI guys who were involved in trying to change the results of the election and then undermine the Trump presidency, every one of them, despite their violations of federal law, free making enormous sums of money from the so-called media, academia, and so forth. Free. Every one of them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company, and I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer, one month free, one month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network for just 30 bucks a month. Plus, get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and get one month free. 
the Democrats, of course, are going to support and defend their FBI, because it's their FBI now, I regret to say. When I served at the Department of Justice, the FBI, as a collective, was a straight shooter. It really was. But there have been many, many examples in the past of abuses at the FBI, even before J. Edgar Hoover. And the FBI's founding was almost accidental. It was founded under Theodore Roosevelt. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? And he created the FBI because he didn't trust the Secret Service. And it was the Secret Service that had much broader powers back then than it does even today. So he didn't trust the Secret Service. So he, he created within the Department of Justice, which had only been created about 40, 50 years before the FBI, this FBI. And he put some loyalists in charge of it, the early directors, and then eventually Hoover, I think, was the third or fourth director, and he was there almost, a quarter, well, almost half a century. The FBI was involved in wiretaps galore, illegal wiretaps, civil rights leaders, and Martin Luther King. Uh, and they threatened Martin Luther King, and they blackmailed individuals, including presidents. And the FBI has been used in other ways, and I can give you a list, but what's the point? And so now the Democrats say, if you don't defend what the FBI is doing right now, then you oppose law enforcement. I don't need lectures from these Democrat bastards about law enforcement. They're responsible for the murder rate and the crime rate in this country. And it's local cops, local cops, that we need to fight them. That is the criminals. The FBI is busy chasing down middle Americans and others on January 6th who were not violent, those who were not violent, and sending in SWAT teams to pick them up and bring them to Washington. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company. And I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer. One month free. One month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network for just 30 bucks a month. Plus, get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L E V I N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and get one month free. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Here's what I'm going to post. The government's filing today was an outrageous political document, not just the photo of the covers of the classified material, but long-winded with self-serving allegations. Now... For example, 
There's a footnote about how the FBI, of course, seized the former president's passport. After all, they were investigating potential violations related to national security, right? After all, they say, they, after all, they assert. In other words, it's so, it's so absurd. The implication is that Trump was a flight risk. How absurd. But the FBI kindly returned them. The standing argument is ridiculous, in my view, as the issue is whether there are not just privileged documents among those seized by the FBI, but personal papers as well. The DOJ attempts to turn this into the Rosenberg's case. The fact is that the search warrant resulted in finding three classified documents in the former president's office desk. That's it, as far as we know from this filing. The filing uses this as evidence that items were moved from the storage room. But the storage room is where they found the rest of the boxes, including several dozen more classified documents. They took the folder covers of the documents, spread them on the floor, and took a photograph, including the photograph in their political filing, for the world to see. As I read the Espionage Act, this comes awfully close to the mishandling of such documents. Everything else was as represented. That is the storage room. But the materials were in the storage room. The government said it found several dozen additional classified documents in the boxes in the storage room, despite a representation from a lawyer that he was informed that all such documents had been turned over in response to a subpoena and signed the certificate. Okay, so this demonstrates specific intent to obstruct the government? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. While they're building, a, I don't care what they're building. So let's step back, because I want to move on, but let's step back. What in the hell are we talking about here? Honest to God, they bring in this clown show of former federal prosecutors. You want you to think this is the worst thing. And it's not. And it's not. So we're chasing the Espionage Act. And then we're chasing the Presidential Records Act. And then we're chasing obstruction. And each step of the way, it's the bureaucrats at the Department of Justice and the FBI who are pulling us by the nose into the directions they want us to go. And I'm sticking my heels in the ground and say, wait a minute. What the hell are we talking about here? There's not another instance in modern American history when a former president was treated this way. But Mark, but Mark, but Mark, a former president has never done this. Done what? Done what? We have a former president of the United States by the name of Obama. who early in his life, and not so early that he didn't know better, was best friends with domestic terrorists. We have a current president of the United States who's a crook, bought and paid for by the enemy, in my humble opinion, but don't dare look under the sheets. Speaking of which, you have a former president of Clinton who lost the nuclear codes, and his wife, with her server in the and the other documents and so forth that she had, and she wasn't a former president. 
You have a former president of the United States in Bush who swore up and down, as did his vice president Cheney, that the Iraqis had weapons of mass destruction. We all embrace that. And we can go on and on and on about this. All the people dying of fentanyl because this president refuses to secure the border. 300 people a day? He just now gets around to blurting, burping something out about it? He's the president. But they keep going after Trump and you. You hear what they say about you, right? You're extremist, you're violent, you're dangerous. 75 million of you. Us. We're not humans. They dehumanize us. I have a question for the former federal prosecutors or legal analysts out there. It's very simple, and it's obvious to all of us. How was it that Hillary Clinton, by this very same Department of Justice and FBI, was said not to be prosecutable. But some of you are saying that Donald Trump is. Explain that. Where do you get your argument on the Espionage Act that a president who is the head of the executive branch has to fill out paperwork or orally communicate or do something other than his own actions to declassify classified information? What is your source for that? I'm not asking about some court decision. What is your original source for that? I want to know. Because you assert this with such... with such know-it-allism. What's your source for that? You have no source. If executive privilege doesn't apply, and you make a good point out there, then why is it specifically mentioned? In the Presidential Records Act. Why is it? Why is it mentioned? There'd be no need to mention it. Doesn't Donald Trump have the right and his lawyers to assert it? We'll leave it to the Supreme Court to say no. Supreme Court's never specifically ruled on that specific issue. So what's that all about? The people who are looking to to take Donald Trump off the playing field, they get to decide? They get to decide? And if this search warrant wasn't a general warrant, then what is a general warrant? Give us an example. What's a general warrant if this isn't a general warrant? And if it's no big deal that prosecutors do this all the time, are you telling me prosecutors violate the Fourth Amendment all the time? We need to put an end to that, baby, if that's true. That needs to stop. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? More for the former federal prosecutors. Why isn't there a leak investigation going on? Well, Mark, there might be. I doubt it very much. And what kind of filing is this? What kind of crap is this? 37 pages. Where they're basically making an opening statement, an opening political campaign statement. They're supposed to be filing a document, I guess, opposing the appointment of a special master. And six point, why are they so opposed to a special master? We've had some in recent cases. 
respecting Giuliani and even Hillary Clinton. So what's the problem with a special master? We already finished our work. Well, you may have, but the justice system hasn't. Your work needs to be reviewed and graded. What do you think of that? There's not one party here. There's two parties here. And the idea that the former president doesn't have standing, I sure as hell hope this federal judge doesn't fall for that. That's the issue on whether there are documents among these documents that belong to him. On the one hand, the government argues, so these documents, they're all intermingled, you know, you got pictures. And on the other hand, they argue he has no standing because the government owns everything. Well, that's absurd. It doesn't even make any sense. That's not even too clever by half. It's stupid. Stupid. I was asked to go on TV tonight. I said, no, I can't go on TV all the time. I'm not one of those who wants to go on TV all the time. I'm right here behind the microphone talking to millions and millions of people. Am I caught up here, Mr. Producer? I'll be right back. Lovin. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company, and I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer, one month free, one month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network, for just 30 bucks a month. Plus, get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L E V I N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and get one month free. Another question for the legal analyst, the former federal prosecutor. Why would a lawyer sign a certificate knowingly lying about classified information in a storage room? Now, remember, the certificate didn't say he had firsthand knowledge or she, whomever it was. But I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying it's a reasonable conclusion. They made a mistake. Why would a lawyer knowingly lie to the FBI about classified documents in the boxes in the storage room as if that would never be learned? That would never be learned? Aren't there video cameras everywhere? Isn't that true, Mr. Producer? Yeah. So he had no expectation that he wouldn't be caught, right? It's a strange way to do it. So I don't see any specific intent. I don't care what the government's trying to create here. And I don't know why the government's fighting so hard to stop a special master from being appointed. That stinks. 
Now, what you conclude from all this is this is bull crap from beginning to end. That's what it is. And the timing is not an accident. It's not an accident. And again, when you step back and look at this, the discussion among the lawyers and all the rest of it, it's absurd, the idea that this is obstruction. There wasn't some widespread destruction of documents like there was with Hillary, with emails. Oh, there were three documents over there instead of in the storage room. Oh, oh, there's many more classified documents. Where were they? Oh, in the storage room where they said they kept everything. Oh. Let's pretend it's not the ex-president. Let's pretend it's not the FBI. Let's pretend it's it's local police. And you're dealing with somebody who robbed a jewelry store, let's say. They take the jewelry to their home. Well, not robbed. Let's let's make it even more more of a parallel. Let's pretend it's the police. And these individuals, well, they didn't rob the jewelry store, but they took jewelry out of the jewelry store. In other words, they stole it without robbing it with a gun or something of that sort. They they secreted the the jewelry in their home. Right? If you're going to hide something, would you hide it in your home, first of all? Would you hide it in your desk? Would you put it in your basement? I mean, President Trump, they said, took classified information. Okay. It's essentially right there. It's in the storage room and three documents are in his desk. Does that sound like somebody who's seeking to obstruct justice? Doesn't this sound stupid, the whole damn thing? Because it is. And the media, the corrupt media... And the phony legal analysts. What the legal analysts should be doing is condemning what the Department of Justice and the FBI is doing here. Not simply analyzing it like like it's a, uh, a tax case or something. They should be explaining how outrageous this is. Putting things in context. That how, how are you really obstructing things under these circumstances? And yeah, this lawyer, whomever, signs this certification. The first sentence of the certification doesn't say, based on my knowledge and personal involvement, nothing like that. He says, based on what he's, he's been told. And yet nobody's pointed that out. I've pointed it out to you now. According to this filing, the only evidence they provide of not everything being in the storage room is the three documents in the president's desk. Okay, what else? Nothing else. And then their third point is, wait a minute. We found all these classified documents. And to prove our point, we're going to spread them out all over the floor. Now, we won't show the contents, but we'll show the covers that say top secret and confidential and all the rest. Have special colors and stripes. And we'll take a picture for the whole world to see. That sounds like a violation of the Espionage Act to me. 
Espionage Act doesn't limit itself to the contents of a document. What about the existence of documents at Mar-a-Lago of this sort? I never saw a picture of this before, did you? I didn't know exactly what they had. I mean, they provided a list, but all these new covers with the colors on them and the stripes on them and everything like that. You just helped the enemy in some ways, didn't you? But anyway, my point is how stupid this is. And if they indict the former president based on this, I think they are going to unleash holy hell. I absolutely think they will. Do I want them to? No. Do I want them to indict? No. Do I want them to unleash holy hell? No. They're doing it. I'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492. Or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number... 877 We're going to have Dr. Oz on the program in about 10 minutes. Don't forget to join my podcast. That way you'll have it all set up if you ever want to listen to it. Uh, maybe we're preempted for an hour or so, or maybe, who knows, maybe you're doing something else and you want to listen in your own time. Go to MarkLevinShow.com. That's our mothership, MarkLevinShow.com. Click on Audio Rewind and pick your favorite podcast platform. It's that simple, Mr. Producer, correct? Millions of you have done this. Go to MarkLevinShow.com, hit the Audio Rewind, and pick your favorite podcast platform. So I strongly encourage you to join us. Let's go ahead and post that, Mr. Well, we'd have, haven't we? It's up there permanently, isn't it? Every day it's up there on uh, Twitter and all of our other uh, social platforms, ladies and gentlemen. So again, MarkLevinShow.com. Click Audio Rewind and pick your favorite podcast platform. That way, no matter what, you will always be able to listen to this program uh, any way you wish. Let's see, is there anything? And by the way, I heard my buddy Dan Bongino today when I was in the car, and he's right. The Bongino Report is a fantastic site. Fantastic. 
You're out of your mind if you go to the Drudge Report. Drudge is a freak, a fraud, and a phony. And for well over a decade, he fooled you and me, and he enriched himself on the conservative movement. Now he enriches himself supporting the American Marxists. And he has a hate on for Trump. I think that's because Ann Coulter does, but that aside, whatever. And uh, besides, the Bongino report is actually very, very good. If you're looking for aggregated links, I go there and, and I go to about 10 different sites throughout the day, in the morning, middle of the night, whenever I do it, I do it. And others as well, but that's a very good site. You definitely want to cancel the Drudge Report because it's the Sludge Report. That's what it is. Just being honest. Um, let's see, is there anything else? No, I think that's about it. So remember, you can always listen to this show on the Patriot Channel on satellite. The Mark Levin. Is the Mark Levin Show app or the Mark Levin app, Mr. Producer? Mark Levin Show app, iHeartRadio app. Go to MarkLevinShow.com. You can listen to it streaming and, of course, your favorite affiliate. But I'm just giving you alternatives if there's ever an issue. Um, Because I am the program director of this show right here. Actually, that's not true. You are the program director of this show right here. Oh, my gosh. We have so much to do, and I can't get to nearly any of it. Well, I want to tell you about something. Communist China. We've spent a lot of time on Communist China. And Gordon Chang has a piece at the GatestoneInstitute.org. If you're not familiar with Gatestone, you really should be. It's really a fantastic organization that believes in liberty. G-A-T-E-S-T-O-N-E, Institute.org. China is torturing critics in psychiatric Psychiatric hospice. I can say it. My mouth broke, but I can say it. China is very much like uh, the beginning of Nazism. In the Hong Kong peace and health system, detainees are strapped onto beds, pumped full of drugs, receive electric shock therapy, and are left to lie in their own excrement. Researchers Chi Yin and Jerome Cohen, writing on the diplomat side, report that some Chinese are confined for their entire life. The system also appears to be grounded in the Chinese Communist Party's optimistic totalitarian notion that medical treatment can make people obedient. Chinese medical personnel administer drugs that damage the central nervous system of adherents of that faith, intentionally overdose them, applied extreme strength electroacupuncture, and brutally force-fed them. The abuse of psychiatry has continued for seven decades in the People's Republic of China, The Chinese Communist Party has changed the organizational structures and the methods of how it destroys people in psychiatric institutions, but the destruction of life continues. Safeguard defenders and the international community must finally acknowledge that the party is inherently murderous. And the only way to end the abuse of psychiatry in China, as well as the party's other horrific crimes, is to end its rule in China, of course. 
So it is torturing and killing critics, petitioners, activists, dissidents, and religious adherents in these psychiatric hospitals, thereby bypassing its horribly misdescribed criminal justice system. The barbaric practice, as a Madrid-based NGO termed it this month, is still widespread. Safeguard defenders in drugged and detained China's psychiatric uh, prisons details how police and government agents are sending Chinese citizens for supposedly medically unnecessary and voluntary hospitalizations of the police-run Anqing system, which was established in the 1980s. The new report updates work by leading researcher Robin Munro, the author of Dangerous Minds and so forth. And uh, some language for years, they know. Those who survive often can barely function after release. Those released are often recommitted to such facilities without justifiable reason. One woman had been committed 20 times, the researchers said. Some Chinese are confined for their lifetimes. The Soviets perfected techniques for breaking people in psychiatric facilities. Mao Zedong's regime adopted them about a decade after taking power. And as Monroe reported in 2002, the earliest known examples of political-style psychiatric diagnoses in China dates back to the early 60s. The Safeguard Defenders Report examined 99 cases from 2015 to 2021 and called these examples just the tip of the tip of the iceberg. The witness reports were first recorded by a Chinese organization. Safeguard Defenders points out that the use of psychiatric facilities stigmatizes opponents by the regime. They are discredited and isolated from others with this false label of mental illness. And uh, it goes on and on and on. This is a horrid regime. This is why the Taiwanese have to fight to the end. Because they are going to put a scarlet letter on the forehead of every person in Taiwan. I want you to know something. Prior to the communist revolution on the mainland of China, the nationalists escaped to Taiwan and they formed a government there around 1948, give or take. Taiwan did not belong to mainland China. It was Japanese. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Taiwan was Japanese. Now, prior to the Japanese control, it was China. But we're talking about well over 100 years ago. So this claim that they own Taiwan, which was Formosa, is BS. That's what I wanted to point out to you as well. It's just BS. We'll be right back. Mark in. Dr. Oz is running for the Senate out of Pennsylvania. He'd be a fantastic senator. I'm encouraging all Republicans, all independents, all Democrats who are thinking to unite behind him. Not only is he a fantastic individual, the man he's running against is a disaster for Pennsylvania and the country. Dr. Oz, how are you, my friend? 
doing very, very well. And thanks for those kind words. I don't think there's a clear distinction between candidates anywhere in the country. Since my opponent, John Fetterman, is the most radical candidate in any contested race. But I think a lot of it also is that I've done things in my life that I would, I think, help me serve the nation better. I represent the values of Pennsylvania and, and bring some of our family's values to Washington in a way that they're heard. No, I think that's right. And apparently Fetterman, who, as we now know, uh, grew up with a platinum spoon in his mouth, uh, lived with his parents till he was 50 years old. That's a sort of uh, broad area of experience is very upset with you because you worked your way from the bottom up, very, very successful, and that's to be attacked. So, I mean, he's done nothing, nothing in the private sector, even lieutenant governor, to be perfectly honest with you. You're, you're, you're sitting there waiting for something to happen to the governor, pretty much. And here you are. You are, you are extremely successful. You're well-known because people are interested in what you do. And he's spending tens of millions of dollars trying to destroy your character. What do you make of that? It shows the panic of the Democratic Party. They actually don't like John Fetterman. Within Pennsylvania, the the Democratic leadership did not want him. He's so far left radical. He was way outside the boundaries on their values. And yet they got stuck because he took on all the conventional candidates and he was able to prevail. So they are horrified that he's their candidate. But Democrats wealthy Democrats from California, from New York, they just want a 51st Democratic senator. And so they're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure he gets elected. So they're throwing tens of millions. In fact, they'll spend more than $100 million against me on this race. Oh, my God. But the unfortunate reality is it takes a lot of money to sell something you don't have, which in this case is a good candidate. And I have been going after John Fetterman to just defend the far-left radical views that he has. And I'll just list a few of them for the for the listeners, because I don't think you'll, anyone's going to be able to question that this guy is anywhere close to a traditional Democrat. He wants to release one-third of all Pennsylvania's prison population. He brags about all the pardons of murders that he's had. He filled off, he beat me while has the highest murder rate ever. It's up 60% since he took office. Fetterman wants to legalize all drugs. He wants heroin injection sites. I remember Philadelphia has a place called Kensington, the biggest open-air drug market in the country. It's an absolute disaster. And yet he wants that to be the norm. He believes in sanctuary cities with an open border and, and, and fentanyl, uh, which is coming across the border because of that in huge amounts, is killing a lot of people in Pennsylvania, 100,000 deaths nationally. And it's a crisis that we're going to have to deal with, yet his bad policies have led to a lot of these problems. Here's the thing. Uh... Is he even willing to debate you? I mean, I saw this clip of him trying to speak once, and look, I know the media are saying, how dare you question this man's abilities because he had a stroke? No, wait a minute. The people of Pennsylvania have the right to a vigorous individual who's going to represent their best interests in Washington, D.C., you know, rather than the interests of the Democrat Party, but the interests of the people of Pennsylvania. Is it not fair game to ask about his competency? Look at Joe Biden for crying out loud. Well, they call you the great one. You call it like it is. My problem is that this is way past Joe Biden, just like he's further left radical than Joe Biden. He has not answered a question on the campaign trail in the general election, not one. He has not agreed to any of the five debates. These are five debates that were organized by large media companies who traditionally host debates. They're not my debates. I didn't make the rules. They're five companies, big companies, 
I agreed to them. He's agreed to none. He just, just yes, you know, last night pulled out of the first. He's going to pull out of the second one in a couple of days. I'm quite confident. And here's the question I'm asking. Now, tell me if you think I'm right here. I'm saying, listen, I'm a doctor. I'm compassionate about medical problems, obviously. My calling is in medicine. If you've had a stroke, I understand how challenging that is to recover from. Let me know what the situation is. Let's work out a mechanism for you to be able to hear and answer questions. However, if it's not legitimately a reason to, not, to debate or not debate, then you must show up and defend your radical left views. My concern is that he didn't want to debate in his primary. He's not left his home. And we don't want to create a precedent in democracy where candidates don't have to hear voters answer questions and show up. And he's actually creating that even worse than Joe Biden. Imagine if he were to win, which he won't, but if he were to win, we would never have Democratic candidates campaigning ever again. The liberal media would tell their stories, embellish what they're all about, protect them, and they'll just stay home and run ads. And then you'll have a manufactured hologram that's selling cereal detergent. You'll never meet the person you're voting for. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. I mean, how's he even going to answer constituents in Washington, D.C.? If he won't confront, you know, his opponents, uh, his opponent, you, who's running for office now, crime. Philadelphia has a higher murder rate than New York or Los Angeles, and it's much smaller than either city. Isn't it because the DA in Philadelphia is much like a Fetterman? Isn't that true? Yes, it is. And you're a Philly boy. You know it. The DA is a a Soros-funded gentleman. His name is Krasner. Uh, Fetterman has strongly supported him embraced all these woke ideas. And here's what African-Americans in Philadelphia tell me, because I spend time down there. Fetterman doesn't. They say we are tired of white, woke people making rules and then running home to their gated communities afterwards. You know, we're left with the problems. And the African-American community in Philadelphia is actually in favor of stopping people who have traffic violations because they might have other laws they break. They're okay with uh, with believe it or not, they're okay with stop and frisk. They just don't want it done with, with motivations that are outside protecting the local community. And these are the kinds of of reactions they're, they're, we're now hearing in Philadelphia when not only do we have the highest murder rate ever last year, we are having an even higher murder rate this year. And all the while, Fetterman is tweeting out, because that's what he does, he doesn't speak, he tweets out these crazy bomb-like messages that he's going to radicalize the world even further. And Mark, before I forget, this is not just a Pennsylvania problem. He wants to go to Washington and destroy the Senate. He said, if you like Joe Manchin, do not vote for me. I don't work with people like that. It's in his own party. He wants to get rid of the filibuster, pack the Supreme Court, and and bring more states into the union. And he's not going to hesitate at all. He's basically Bernie Sanders, who, by the way, endorsed him, and they call each other the two most progressive candidates in America. And if any of you are bothered by this, and all the money the Democrats are throwing at him, not realizing how dangerous he is, please go to DrOz.com and help me fight back. Because on DrOz.com, I have my, all my views, but you also have the opportunity to chip in. I don't care if it's 10 bucks to make sure we're showing these guys that Republicans are here for this election. We're going to show up. Now, what about the border? We have all this fentanyl coming in. It's killing so many people in this country. It's the number one cause of death for young people in this country. So we have the murder rate, and Fetterman's answer is, let's allow one-third of the prisoners out of prison. Let's not prosecute bad guys. He supports the DA in Philadelphia, who's a nut job, a Soros nut job, as you point out. And when it comes to the border and all this fentanyl coming in, the drug cartels getting positions in this country and so forth, again, he's on their side, not our side, correct? What's shocking about his position on the border is 
he recognizes that not only are we allowing hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants a month to come across, but we're funding the cartel because the cartel runs the human trafficking operation. So all that extra money that these Mexican cartels are making, they're using to buy raw materials from China, manufacture fentanyl, and bring them into this country. And I'm going to give you a number that's going to blow the minds of a lot of listeners. Dr. Oz, can I hold you over? I'm sure you're busy, but uh, the music, I want you to finish your thoughts. I'll hold. All right, we want to finish. Uh, We want Dr. Oz to finish his thoughts. It's very, very important. Again, these elections have a national implication, but we're heard all over Pennsylvania. This is a crucially important election. And I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now. 877-381-3811. With Dr. Oz, whom I've endorsed, Sean Hannity's endorsed, President Trump has endorsed, everybody has endorsed because this election in Pennsylvania is crucial. It is the Keystone State for a reason. And Fetterman is such a disaster, such a disgrace for Pennsylvanians in the country. He does not... Dr. Oz, I want to get to fentanyl in a minute, but he really does not represent Pennsylvania, does he? I mean, he's so radical, he doesn't even represent Massachusetts. He's way outside the realm of any state. He's further left than any candidate in a contested Senate race in this country. He's for sure the most radical candidate in a statewide race in, 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 uh, in Pennsylvania ever. And then the question becomes, well, how is it possible that he's even competitive? And I'm going to share this with the audience. I, I didn't even think this was possible, but there is a formula for how the liberal media protects Democratic candidates and chills Republicans, literally depresses Republicans so we don't think we have a chance. So I witnessed that happen in Pennsylvania. Then I thought it's the same thing happening in Ohio and Georgia and Nevada, and it's happening in Arizona. Here's the formula. The first thing you say is that uh, the Republican candidate's a bad candidate. Then you say, oh, they're so far behind they can't win. Then you say the Republican leadership has quit on them. Now, literally, mm-hmm. it was said that Rick Scott was no longer supporting us as a Senate candidate. In fact, he was doubling down. 
Then there was a rumor last week, even that leader McConnell, Mitch McConnell was not going to be supporting candidates in the Senate because they were bad. And while they were printing that in the newspapers, I was getting $34 million from him to run my campaign. I know similar amounts were invested in Ohio and Georgia. I just haven't kept track of everywhere else. But there's obviously a dishonest narrative that the media is using to get you, Republican listeners, of the show to feel that we're not going to do well. I'm telling you right now, I'm winning my race in Pennsylvania. And I suspect other Senate candidates uh, feel the same way. And no matter what the media is trying to trick you into believing now, stay confident, stay firm. In my race, for example, the polls have dramatically tightened once we started doing the things we were waiting to do till we had enough money. And the Democrats keep pouring money into their candidates in these other commonwealths. So, again, everyone, DrOz.com, if you want to support me or go to whatever candidate that you like, go support them. This is how we come back against Democrats. We don't need as much money as them. We don't need as much money as them, but we need to be competitive. Where is all this money coming from? Every candidate I speak to says they're being clobbered with all this money from out of state. The Democrats realize, and this is, again, the new Democratic Party is not about the working class taxpaying individual. It's about the wealthy elites. So all the big tech companies, the, the major financial institutions, they are all dominated by people who think that they're goody two-shoes, virtue signaling Democrats. They don't realize the harm that's coming. You know, I met recently the man who, who was assigned to kill Che Guevara. And he was a Cuban national who had fought at the Bay of Pigs, became a CIA operative. And he told me something that chilled me. Your listeners may not know this. I'm sure you do. Fidel Castro was not put in power by poor people. He was put in power by rich people, rich elites, put him in the position that he was able to live in and dominate in. And he ended up taking all those people out. But he became the dominant power uh, in the Caribbean for that reason. Then he tried to take over Venezuela because he knew how many resources they had. He couldn't do it militarily. So he copied the same tactic that worked in Cuba. It was a a democratic uprising where they threw out a democratic candidate and put a dictator in power. Literally, the elitists did the wrong thing again. We don't want that happening in America. Boy, you're not kidding. All right, let's go to the border. You've got Joe Biden's going to be at Independence Hall on Thursday. He's going to tomorrow. He's going to speak there. Early reports are leaked by them, I guess, is he's going to trash Republicans, trash MAGA, uh, I was going to talk about extremism and so forth. You're running against a radical extremist. Joe B- Biden's policies are so horrific. They're resulting in all this fentanyl coming across the border, MS-13 coming across the border. You have rapes and molestations of women and little girls taking place on the border. You have kidnappings. You have drug cartels making uh, uh, inroads in the United States. I mean, isn't he to be held accountable for these things? And meanwhile, he's going to go there and trash half the country. He cares, as does the radical left of the Democratic Party. They care about caring. They don't care about Mm -hmm. fixing. Surgeons, doctors fix things. That's what I do for a living. I don't come out the OR and say, yeah, you know, I was I was very loving to your 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 wife as she was passing away. You don't that doesn't make me any points. I've got to save lives, make things happen. Joe Biden thinks he's doing everyone a favor by keeping the border open. In fact, he has funded this fentanyl infusion into this country, which took 100,000 lives last year. That's four times more than died from COVID under the age of 50. And just just this month, just this month, we seized 450 million lethal doses at the southern border. That's more than people in the country. There are more people 
of the, yeah, more fentanyl now coming in America than in the entire Trump presidency all four years put together. It's an utter catastrophe. People are making a fortune off our weak borders. And it is also unfair to legal immigration. My father was a legal immigrant to this country. He was a doctor that was recruited to come here. We can't do it anymore. I can't bring doctors into my hospital because the country doesn't let legal immigrants in. They come in, you have to come in illegally, which means there are no farm workers. There's no legal people that folks can hire. We're hurting businesses, small entrepreneurial companies. We're hurting hospitals. Allow legal immigration, but you can't do it if you don't shut down illegal immigration. Mm. And... um... This issue of fentanyl and so forth. I mean, the first time he talked about it was the other day. And he did it with a whole bunch of static, trashing the other side. Now he's talking about 100,000 cops that we need to hire. I mean, uh, Dr. Oz, this is a party that defunded or slashed the budgets of the police. It was never a matter of money. They cut the budgets. They had the money. They even had money from COVID if they wanted to use. And then he goes on that the Republicans didn't vote for this $1.9 trillion bill that had money in there for police. That bill said nothing about requiring one penny to be spent on police. What do you do when you run against people like Fetterman and you have to listen to Biden who are pathological liars and they're not held to account by the media who promote them? Well, the, the, the lack of accountability, which is what bothers me the most, and I didn't appreciate it as much until I entered the political world. It's stunning. You know it. You, you speak to it. And thank you for doing that. But the police are not going to work just for money. They work for respect. And if you treat them poorly, you're not going to have enough. Philadelphia is way under police. They have money and a budget for more officers. No one wants to be an officer. Who wants to be spit on, kicked around, prosecuted for anything that goes wrong, even if it's not your fault, and then risk your life to do it? No one's going to do that. I've spoken to the FOP. I got the endorsement of the Fraternal Order of Police, and I was up there at Erie speaking to hundreds of leaders. And I'm not there trying to plead for their endorsement. I think I'm the better candidate. Of course, you know, Fetterman didn't even show up. That's how disdainful he is. And a woman got up in the front row, African-American lady, and she said, I'm a 17-year veteran. I'm head of the Capitol Police. In other words, we're the ones that protect Fetterman. She says, this man has treated me worse than any person I've ever met in my life. He treats me like um, something stuck to the bottom of your shoe when you walk out of a dog park. And the ripple, the yeah. murmur through the crowd spread, and they unanimously endorsed me because they d- disdain Fetterman. The same way Joe Biden, he can throw money at this problem. But if you want to hire good teachers, good cops, good firemen, you know, good military, you have to treat them with respect. These people are running towards the crisis. And in, in Pennsylvania, if, you know, nobody wants to enter law enforcement. You can't bribe people to do it. And until we get new leadership and at a national level respect what these brave people are trying to do, these men and women are risking everything. We're not going to get people to sign up. What do you say to the people, you know, Pennsylvania, as you know, is a very diverse state geographically, politically. In, in some ways, the southeastern part's not a whole lot like the southwestern part. What do, you, what do you say to the people on the western side of the state, which is far more industrial, whether it's steel, whether it's coal, whether it's oil? Fetterman really does not seek to even acknowledge that part of the state, does he? Well, amazingly, he calls fracking a stain on Pennsylvania, which is dismissive to an entire group of individuals who make their living uh, doing something critical for national security, getting energy out of the ground. He wants to regulate it out of existence. And these are positions he's taken in the past because he thinks it's cool. He signed the document calling for a moratorium on drilling and fracking. 
that would bankrupt the Commonwealth. And he doesn't understand the implication it has for inflation because energy prices drive a third of inflation. And of course, it weakens our national security. Uh, it's been often said that a president who has energy can say whatever he wants to other leaders. And a president with no energy takes orders. And so we are hurting our country with these kinds of positions, but they're virtue signaling. Again, Fetterman is a Twitter candidate. If it sounds good on Twitter and people like it, they, they, let, you know, they, they check it and everyone you know, sends positive comments, then you think it's a good idea. Where's the actual policy? He wants to abolish all private health care. All private health care. Are you kidding me? I mean, as a doctor and someone who went to business school at Wharton to study health care finance, that's a shocking uh, uh, How does a guy that's lived no at home for 50 years and has experienced nothing, who's accomplished nothing, how does he know how to run so much? He wants to run the oil business, the coal business, the health care business. Isn't it amazing? So he's basically just an ideologue who doesn't know how to run a damn thing, correct? Correct. And that's the only reason he thinks he can run it, because he has no practical experience signing the front and the back of a check. It takes a lot of effort to work every day, to deal with a payroll, to, to manage people, crises, to, to help others thrive in their existence, to mentor. He doesn't do any of that. He sits at home, pro clutches, uh, throws out tweets, and then he thinks he can be the next senator. And this is why people in Pennsylvania, the more they know him, the more they dislike him. But this is for everyone around the country an important point. We cannot elect, allow democracy to, to, to work if you don't hear your candidates. And you're going to see this more and more from Democratic candidates because they can hide behind the press. And it's actually something I'm calling out the press for. I don't care if you treat me nicely. Be harsh. Ask me difficult questions. Call me out in the carpet. Whatever I, you think you need to do. But do it to him, too, so the voters can see the bad on both of us. Don't protect him. Don't cajole him. Mm-hmm. So people all over the country want to support you, but particularly in Pennsylvania. Where do they go, Dr. Oz? If they could go to DrOz.com, even 10 bucks means something because it shows we have more people interested. Uh, please tell your friends, your collaborators, spread the word. This race is essential to us keeping the Senate, and I pledge to you I'll make you proud. All right, and you're a good friend. You're a good man. You know, folks, just a little secret. He's calling me now and then to check on me to make sure my heart's okay. So he's worried about me. <laughs> But I'm I more am, worried really about am. you. I'm doing fine, and I hope I hope other the people in this audience will come to your support, and I think they will. God bless you, my friend. God bless you as well. Take care. All right, you too. Let's put that up on our various platforms, Mr. Producer. Oh, that's too bad. The Democrat beat Palin in the special election in Alaska because they have this weird system up there. Well, look at this. This is evidence that the Republicans can't win. Just fight fight and uh let's see here anything else here uh, the first native american woman to serve in the seat first of all we don't recognize people as women so that's enough of that whenever they have first it's always a first woman this and then it's what's a woman how dare you it's a birthing person. Well, what if it's a woman who can't give birth for a variety of reasons? And by the way, if you support abortion, you're not a birthing person. You're a, you're a birthing person who believes in non-birthing. And why are you a person? Why do we even use that word? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
convention affiliates up and down the line. We understand Joe Biden will be speaking at 8 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. We will take it live. And my mic will be open, and I'll be providing running commentary as Joe Biden attempts to speak, okay? So we will take it live. We understand it will be 8 p.m. Eastern time. Hour number three, our great power hour here on the Levin Show. A lot of the original radio stations, AM stations, are turning 100 years old. In Syracuse, in Dallas, in New York, I think in Philadelphia. There's eight or ten of these historic stations. And they have huge reach. Not as big as satellite, not as big as podcasting, but in the area that they cover, the AM signal is bigger than other stations. And the reason was when the frequency was first distributed, they wanted to make sure all parts of the country could receive a radio broadcast. And so these are the oldest stations. And I'm being invited to a number of events. And I'm certainly uh, recording congratulations to each and every one of them. And we want to thank all you affiliates out there for being there, as well as XM Satellite, as well as our app platforms, as well as our various streaming platforms and so forth. I've always wanted to make sure that this station, excuse me, this show can be heard Everywhere and anywhere, here and overseas, and we are. And that's due to you. Thank you. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, the truckers out there. Thank you. The men and women in Taiwan. The men and women in Ukraine. God bless you all and bless you. Patriotic Americans, the smartest audience of them all. I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.